everybody, and welcome to the Fundamentalists Podcast. Again, my name is Elliot Morgan, and I'm here with my friend, Dr. Peter Rollins. We have some really special news for you guys. Uh, Pete has recently gotten a haircut, and uh, I think Pete got a haircut, a kind of haircut. Pete, I'm assuming, asked the barber, can you give me a haircut so I don't have to come back? For years. <laughs> yeah. You know, this, I felt like I had finally graduated to going not to a hairdresser's, but to a barber's. I was getting soft in LA. I was going to hairdressers and all of that. And I thought, I'll go to a barber's. Barbers just take out shears uh, and they just, and he went for it. Um, and I don't mind it, but my God, it's short. <laughs> It's, I haven't been this short for, I mean, I'm physically short, but my hair has not been this short for decades. It almost looks like yeah, a flat top. it looks like you got broken up with. Yeah. Like you were upset and you needed a change. Yeah. Oh, God, man. It's it's kind of crazy. The, the hairdresser or the, or the barber was was great, but he was very, um, very like Johnny, isn't it? That's your hairdresser, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Really, yes, you know, kind of in Sherman Oaks, California. That's right. He's a great guy, um, and very, but both very kind of questioning. Both question a lot of uh, kind of dominant narratives. So I got we had some very interesting conversations. <laughs> I don't know that there's a dominant narrative that Johnny has not does believe in. I don't think that there's any. Um, at this point, I was I love I love his haircuts, but I mostly go for. To find out. For the commentary. Like, when I mentioned the Giants uh, last week, that's who I was talking about, was uh, him telling me about Giants. Oh, brilliant, brilliant. Yeah, no, it's, it's, that's, I think this is why I'm going to have to go back, even though I, uh, I'm not a big fan of the, the shears. Um, the conversation is definitely worth returning. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Whenever you need to. Um mm-hmm. This is breaking up a little bit, so we'll see if we can get through this. Um, but it's Ooh. on privacy, ironically. So if it doesn't work out, then uh, we'll just, listening. I guess, maybe we can record alone separate monologues and just splice them together. Just kidding, Ryan. We won't do that to you. Um, <laughs> can you hear me okay, Pete? Is it I can hear right? you loud and clear, yep. Yeah, this thing's being a real pain. Well, let's see Ooh. what happens, guys. Um, the Yeah, you can't hear me. Can't, or you can hear me? What do you think? I can hear you loud and clear. This is fun. But you can't right. hear me. Well, then here oh. we go, guys. It's a little robot. Oh, it's better now. Um, so this is what got me thinking. A little back uh, story on this topic, Pete. I, I'm out here in this little hut pretty frequently, <clears throat> and I have a lot of privacy. I have privacy all the time. In fact, one might argue too much privacy, and I sometimes get a little cagey. I also developed a love of privacy during COVID. I, I like being alone. I enjoy privacy. People obsess over privacy, especially in the digital era, what with things like AI. Well, you've heard of this. Uh, and uh, what do you call it? The Patriot Act. That's fresh in the headlines right now. That's Who isn't talking about the Patriot Act? Uh, and it's this whole idea of the right to privacy, is it good for us? Is it bad for us? Do we need it as much as we think we do? Is it is it best for us to stay? Do we do we have a right to privacy? I think that's a fun question. And also, Pete, you live uh, by yourself, <clears throat> so you're you're familiar with the idea of privacy, and you're alone quite a bit. 
um, except when you get a haircut. And what uh, what's your your take on it? Do you like being around people? Oh yeah, well, so you're talking about I, I like this because you're connecting solitude and privacy, which is interesting. That's true. And I'm kind of like uh, uh, don't know whether I would like to pry those apart a little bit uh, or not. Yeah, let's do that. Um, but yeah, but but. The fact that you're putting them together is interesting. Like this actually was sparked off by the fact that you're saying you enjoy solitude. You enjoy your own space, not having to be seen by others. So I guess there is a connection because maybe you're enjoying not having to be an object to the other's gaze. Ooh, wow. That's nice. I didn't know I was going to be... I have to do therapy later too. So this is a fun (laughs) mix of like psychoanalysis and... uh, whatever my therapist does. I was, um, I went out the other day just to get car wash because I had been in the house for a while and I can get cagey and I can be like, I got to get out, do something. I'll run to target or something. And I went through the, one of those drive through car washes and the, there was a car in front of me and it was waiting. It looked like to go in to the car wash. And so I pulled up behind, paid for a car wash. You're not going to believe this Pete. The whole time I'm thinking, this seems shady. Why isn't this guy going in? I can't tell that there's another car. It's, you know, I can't see if there's a car in the car wash currently, but this guy's waiting. But I looked at the bumper and I saw a couple Bernie bumper stickers. Bernie 2016. And I thought, wow, fellow comrade, no problem. Um, there's nothing to worry about here. And they stole my car wash. And they, I paid for it and they went in and took my car wash and just got their car wash while I'm sitting behind them. And then they went off. It infuriated me. And I swore I would never leave the house again. And I swore I was like, this is why I don't go anywhere. I'm disappointed in that person. And the fantasies I had of like getting back (laughs) at them were uh, unbelievably asymmetrical to the offense that had been committed. But that's neither here nor there. Well, so how, how do you steal? How do you steal a car wash? How do they do it? Did you go in, you it's, pay for it? Yeah, it's like a drive through So you literally just, I give my card to a machine and they were already in front of me. But I, because it's shaped like an L, I can't see who's in there. So it looks like they're just waiting on somebody to finish their car wash, <laughs> which has happened before. So I, I, and I was like, oh, wow. I was like, so this person just went to the car wash and waited for someone to pay to buy them a car wash. That's amazing. And then I had to go inside and be like, I think somebody just stole my car, the car wash. And they were like, oh, no, okay, fine. And they gave me like a new car wash. So it was like a victimless crime, but yeah. it was still infuriating. And that's when I was like, man, you know what? This is unbelievable. Anyway, I don't know how that connects to privacy, <laughs> but I definitely didn't leave the house since then. So Yeah. Did, did the person behind the counter, did they say this is a common thing or did they go like, they were they surprised or... It's kind of like, ah, it happened again. Like, oh, uh, yeah. like definitely not like it happened a lot, uh, but definitely not like the first the first Ugh. time that it ever happened. And they like looked up the last four of my card and verified, but then didn't look at my card to make sure that it was legit. So then in my mind, I was like, do you think I'm stealing like a like, but that'd be a psycho move to walk in and be like, hey, I, someone stole my car wash. Give me a free car wash. That would be even weirder than what the first person did. So anyway, that was my... Hey, but maybe that's... You've 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 just found something, man. That's a life hack. That's a... Maybe you can do You're that. Right. You just walk in and say, some bastard just stole my car wash. 
You're not going <laughs> to believe it. Yeah. That guy's going to have saved you a fortune if you do that oh, once a it? month. Yeah. <laughs> did you uh, did you use the card? Yes, I did. Whatever card you're about to read is the card that uh, that I used. Yeah, it's, it'll be perfect. Or I'll just wait for someone to come behind me and do it, so I didn't have to get out of the car. But man, it felt like I was. I just I'm not used to people. Period. And that's the yeah. end of the statement. Anyway, let's talk about privacy. Yeah. That's okay. Well, here he, here's where the isolation and the p- privacy might connect. And this this is actually connected maybe to something I wanted to talk about, but is. There is a chance that, that I want to kind of explore this idea with you. I think there's something to it, but that that what is most disturbing, the thing that we want to keep private, is our own enjoyment. There's it's what is most disturbing is when somebody can see our how we're enjoying. Uh, that's often hidden to us, and often or we hide it from the world, and that is the disconcerting thing. So even you saying, for example, you're you know spending a lot of time on your own, it's not necessarily that you do want people to see you, it's that we do want people to see a certain dimension of ourselves. And, I, and this connects with yep. something uh, Emmanuel Kant talked about. Kant had this interesting distinction between public reason and private reason. And what he meant by public reason is reason that is not constrained by personal goals, by self-interest, by kind of pathological desires. So basically, public reason is when you're just using pure reason to defend something. And private reason is reason which is actually influenced by your own secret desires, your own secret goals. And so from this perspective, what you see in politics is actually mostly private reason. So most, a lot of politicians, when they're advocating for a war, for example, and then you discover that they're actually making money because they've invested in some of the companies that are providing the weapons. Uh, that's their private, that's private reason. They're pretending that they are speaking on behalf of the universal, but really they have private self-interest. And so often what's, most frightening to us is someone exposing to the world our private uh, enjoyment hidden uh, beneath our supposedly public positions. Yeah. <clears throat> like, I'm getting embarrassed that people know I enjoy bright purple lights behind me. Oh, yes. <laughs> so I don't, yeah. I get self, I truly get self conscious about it, and then I change the color for a little bit. Oh, can you just do that at the touch of a button? That's... Yeah, it's um, a newfangled thing. That's, I, I bring it up purely so I can show you. Uh, so we can do... Oh, there we go. How's that? Isn't that better? Oh, What's that's amazing. Color? Here, you know what I bought yesterday on that? I bought a uh, star light, which, which projects onto your ceiling like a child, like Ooh. a teenage girl or a teenage <laughs> boy. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> Stars um... and nebula. <laughs> Grace and I, Grace has one of those, and then when we were first dating, we used it all the time, and it is unbelievably fun and wholesome and nice. Like, it's still, uh, and then it broke, and we got a new one, like 14-year-old girls, and they had different little, does it have different slides, so you can change what it looks like? Well, see, you're probably got a better one. I was, I got a pretty cheap one, but I think the better quality ones you can put in different nebula, which I might yeah. go to, I might upgrade. I was like... Yeah. 
does it have does yours have a shooting star in the that every oh. now and then you see it no, you um, got re- you got a good one. Yeah, well, Grace, yeah. I knew she would get she'd get a good one. Like, yeah, she's got so. good taste. Yeah, she she's loves got her good taste. Year old girl toys. Um, <laughs> yeah, anyway, I mean, so, uh, on that as well, like, kind enjoyment. of like, I, I can pretend that I bought that ironically, because I want to protect myself from people knowing that I actually enjoy the nebula on my ceiling. So, like, we can use irony and stuff to we'd like to protect. From even, for example, if we like doom scrolling and we like seeing things that make us annoyed, we like to hide that. If someone points it out and someone says, you're enjoying getting angry about the latest political thing, we can often get frustrated and angry because we don't like our private enjoyment being exposed. There's something inherently disturbing about it. Yeah, um, my, uh, not to bring it back again to my wife, but she has this thing where she'll watch really crappy reality television shows. But when I enter the house, it's like a, it like I, mutes immediately. It pauses. I hear the space bar that she hits to pause it. I'm like, you can play it. I don't mind. I don't care. You know, it's, it's, I'm not paying attention. And she's like, nope, nope. I, 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 don't, yeah. I don't. And I'm just like, yeah, it's like, and then I'll leave and I'll listen for a second. And then boop, space bar starts playing again. It's usually below deck or one of the, whatever that show is. Yes, um, I'm the same with like Steven Seagal movies. I, I got very angry once with Connor Habib, who I used to live with. Um, he was, uh, I was watching, you know, some terrible, the worse the better, you know, Steven Seagal movie. And then they, he walks in and I'm like embarrassed by my enjoyment uh, of the movie. And I have to kind of make jokes to <laughs> almost kind of hide the fact that I actually unironically <laughs> was enjoying big fat steven seagal <laughs> don't worry it's exactly what it looks like <laughs> yes uh, your, uh, your assumption is correct uh, yeah. yeah that's uh I, I i can understand that yeah it's like when i watch um i'll privately watch batman movies and then i uh i make different accounts on the hulus and the hbos or whatever to make sure that like my watch history is not my and same with youtube like i make sure like i don't need people to know about the hour and a half weird interview that i watched for you know yes over the course of three days or something it's my time that's yeah. my special treat that's right people do that with their spotify lists and stuff they try to kind of manipulate them so that somebody comes on they can they can kind of say you've got your public enjoyment the things that you're you're happy that you enjoy but enjoyment at its deepest is always politically incorrect it's often listening to stuff you shouldn't listen to uh watching stuff that you'd be embarrassed if people knew you watched and so there's the kind of public uh things oh i enjoy going for long walks in the park or whatever and then there's the stuff that you kind of would be really embarrassed if people knew about um, and that's that's yeah. why blackmail works i mean that's why like you're not scared of something being exposed that your that your enjoyment isn't in. So, for example, say you had an affair, a brief affair with somebody. If this was like, so you were at a masked ball, and you were with your partner, and you got off with your partner, and then the woman took off the mask, and it was actually wasn't your partner, and you'd been fooled into kissing her, right? You wouldn't be embarrassed about that because your enjoyment wasn't in it. You'd be like, oh fuck, you know. But if you, if you did it knowing you would be embarrassed because your enjoyment is connected to it, it isn't the kiss 
that is the embarrassing thing. It's that your enjoyment is woven into the kiss. That's the embarrassing thing. And so that's what people, when they're blackmailing you, you're always, I guess, looking for is, is exposing your private enjoyment. Um, which is as well how you get out of blackmail is technically if you are comfortable with your enjoyment and not that yet you broadcast it to the world, but you're comfortable with your own enjoyment and you're comfortable that everybody has their different enjoyments. And then if someone blackmails you, you just go, I'm not, I'm not embarrassed. I'm not embarrassed. But that, that, takes a lot, that takes a lot of courage to come to know your enjoyment and to accept your enjoyment, which is very, very difficult. Another way to to prevent it or not uh, have to worry about blackmail is if you just don't take dick pics to begin with, Pete. Yes. <laughs> you wouldn't be in this situation. <laughs> That's and very I, true. I will take payments. I do take payments, so that's yeah. fine. Well, uh, I, I you, thought you, you liked them. It. I thought you liked them. Yeah. You never said no. <laughs> I do. I do like them. Uh, it's the, I like the starry, the starry background that you have. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Uh, so privacy itself, Pete, I mean, that's, uh, and definitely we should parse the privacy and the isolation, the solitude. Uh, but do you, is, is privacy, do you ever feel like maybe it's harped on a little too much when it becomes like people really obsess over their privacy? Like they really get like, that's my that's my private that's private that's private that's private and it's like this it's like a golem like that's my thing and is that maybe overblown in our society or culture i know other cultures from my understanding aren't necessarily they don't value privacy uh, as much as we might here in the u.s slash belfast yeah that's a good point i mean i tend to think that if i if someone is very very aware of privacy that for me is usually a hint that they are not comfortable with their own enjoyment. Um, you know, as again, what's what's objectively being said, which is this fear of the other looking at you. Uh, I would tend to think that that might be isn't always, but it is someone who is not comfortable with their own enjoyment and and are hiding something from themselves. So that that's kind of I guess my way of reading that often because weirdly the more the more comfortable you are with your enjoyment, the less weirdly you care if someone catches you on doing something. The less it, w- it might still be a bit traumatic, but it wouldn't be deeply traumatizing. It might be, em- I say embarrassing, not traumatizing. What makes something traumatizing is that you uh, have not come to terms with your own desire. Uh, yeah. So, for um, example, I guess if you're, if you're, having sex with somebody and some stranger sees it that will be embarrassing to to most people um but it will be traumatizing if uh you feel really bad like you feel that that's something you're doing is really dirty really private really whatever like it'll become traumatizing if it's just hey i'm doing something private and you saw it that's embarrassing but if as i say if somehow you're very repressed you're very neurotic individual then that won't just be embarrassing that will be that will haunt you for the rest of your life <laughs> <laughs> i know from experience no <laughs> yeah, just, i cannot emphasize enough it will haunt you for the rest of your life uh, no i don't want anybody to see anything uh of me ever doing anything but um including anyone like my wife or anyone i want no one i want no one to know i want to be invisible to everyone 
yep. all of the time. Um, yep. I, I won't even listen to the Eminem song in the car. I had listened to it with headphones in because even in the car, I'm like, people, what if I start rapping along and people can see and I mess up and I, oh, yeah. and then they're like, I can tell he's rapping the bad lyrics from that's from a good point actually a lot of a lot of people especially in the old middle classes are very afraid of showing our enjoyment and, and in fact really hate it whenever people are listening to say loud music in the, the house next door it becomes it becomes not just a, a distraction it becomes really annoying and really difficult because you're kind of like the other person is kind of enjoying and certain cultures that's actually not a bad thing i think you know some of us and i i'm like this i, I want to hide my enjoyment from everybody and if someone is imposing at the beach their enjoyment on me i i can feel maybe disturbed and that's not necessarily a good thing that's it's kind of but yeah. it's it's a tendency we have yeah i go back and forth sometimes being in la there's some loud houses and whatnot, and they'll do, like, parties and stuff. But I have, like, it switches, where at first I'll be like, ah, part of a community, lovely. Um, nothing wrong with them enjoying themselves. And then it'll be like, well, sun's down. <laughs> Go to bed. It's over. Like, stop it. Um, and so that's its own thing. That's just being yeah. a crotchety old man. Uh, mm-hmm. Do you, when you, do you feel that privacy is... So you enjoy you're you're a big fan. You're definitely like on the, in the camp of um, give me my privacy. Well, here no. Well, I'll say it like this. Here's my thing: is that I think that right. If you take this Kantian notion of public reason and private reason, um, and you go with the idea that if you if your political positions and your philosophical positions and your scientific positions are public reason, which means they're not influenced by your private desires, your private goals, your utilitarian desires, then there's nothing to be frightened of. Let the secret police listen in as much as they want, right? They'll, ju- they'll learn something. Um, I think as Shizek said, because whenever he was being listened to in Slovenia, he's like, I don't care if they're listening to what I'm saying in private, you know, then maybe the secret police will actually learn something. Um, there's, for me, whenever you're, and this is why politicians I don't think should have that much privacy, right, is that whenever someone speaks on behalf of the universal, but really they're getting, as I say, money, uh, they're getting power and influence, or they're, they're getting something secretly that, that you know, uh, as I said about wars, they're supporting some war, and then you find out, oh, they're, they're, they're invested in Raytheon, and Raytheon are what is supplying those missiles. Oh, God, that's interesting. That, that is always a, um, that exposure is always a, a, a kind of revolutionary act. And that's why, you know, I believe in good journalism. There's not much good journalism anymore, but a good journalism exposes that. And then on the other side, what if the government's listening to me? Well, and I'm talking about a government where you, you live in a society where you won't get imprisoned, tortured, or executed for your views. So if we talk about other sides, it's different. But if you're in a society where you don't get imprisoned, tortured, executed for your views, I'm like, um, I don't think they should be listening, but I don't give a fuck if they are. Because, as I say, they'll <laughs> learn something. You know? like, so I, they, they're not going to have anything on me because my views are not private. You're right, and I have private enjoyment, but I'm comfortable enough with that 
that that I don't care if they can see what I do in private. Uh, but in terms of my political views and my philosophical views, as much as possible, they are not influenced by my, you know, by 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 some sort of uh, selfish, self-interested position. I mean, they always are to some extent, but insofar as they aren't, I don't care. Um, does, does that make yeah, sense? It's, uh, no. <laughs> I think so. It reminds me of the uh, certain strands of the hyper purity culture kind of deal where they have the public they like it the contemporary young uh influencers or whoever who kind of are into the purity culture thing they have a lot of very it's always very practical reasons like they're always like well it helps you know it you have more intimacy with the partner later it keeps you know your um more connected later it's it's you're, there's all these like pragmatic things that go along with it uh to so that you get the the impression that like well also this is shown in the bible this is like there's a you know there's rules or whatever and this is where we get it from i assume that's what they do um but that's like the public facing part right but then there's a private reason that's interwoven with that which is that they're f- perverts or mm-hmm. that they're um absolute they're scared of their absolute freaky freakiness uh-huh. uh, they're all you know, horny perverts. <laughs> well, and the, horny uh, is pervert that, freaks. <laughs> yeah, is that connected? But see, because we've talked about before the idea that actually the purity ring, the, the prohibition itself, but the privacy is actually sexual. Like one of the difficulties, and I saw this in LA, obviously, is the the less that you less prohibitions and obstacles you have, the more impotence you have. So what what we're seeing is more impotence, less people having sex, less people having relationships. Precisely in a society where you're kind of technically free to, within the constraints of con- consent, do whatever you want. Uh, whereas ironically, people who have purity rings and lots of prohibitions. Uh, are having lots of sex because there's something actually um, sexual about privacy, you know, uh, which again is a bad thing. Like, not a bad thing, but what I would say is that, that almost like um, one of the things that makes affairs really sexual is the, is the, is the privacy. And if you take yeah. the privacy away, you, the desire often dissipates and it can become something else and you could maybe still have a non-monogamous relationship but but sometimes the affair the very strength of it is precisely in its not being allowed yeah. in the dark the darkness yeah. of it dark side, um yeah. the uh in the little gullum yeah, that's my, <laughs> little, my little thing um do you uh when you you mentioned politicians not needing as much of a right to privacy is that some is that a reason because they're public servants and they shouldn't and it their decisions affect other people and we need to know whether or not there's a private reason that is uh or private reasoning going on yeah f- like for me like governmental institutions should be uh should be dominated by public the public use of reason and so when i talk about privacy i mean like any politician would have to, and I think legal. I, mean, I think this has to happen anyway. But they don't have to too much. But should always uh, be be made to say if they have a private reason 
that would be influencing their position. So for example, if they're doing tax reforms, but those tax reforms directly benefit them and their friends, that, and this happens in courts, like a, a, a judge has to recuse themselves if they have private interests in the, the case, because they're technically a public servant, so they're not allowed to have private uh, kind of pathological reasons uh, yeah. th that would influence what they do in court. So that's what I talk about privacy, not, not in terms of their sexual life or anything like that, but in terms of if you're investing in companies that, uh, you know, and then you're advocating for those companies and pretending that your advocacy is purely for rational purposes and medical purposes or whatever, that has to be declared. Um, nice. Yeah. Uh, when you, so you, do you ever get a tinge of paranoia that you're being, um, I mean, I know you, you were saying like you wouldn't care much anyway. Uh, cause I, I think about this with webcams and, um, like Grace will put like a piece of tape over the webcam, um, mm. on our laptop. Lots of people do this. I think I was, she was the first one I ever like saw do, do it. And like this webcam I have comes with like a thing that pops over it. Cause mm people don't want to be looked at while they're looking at the computer, which is great. And I think it's great that they have these, but do you get concerned to get paranoid that you're getting kind of like watched by the FBI for your, for your political radical views? <laughs> your um, I don't, but you know, it's interesting. So there's two ways that you can do that cover the camera more than two, but let's say two ways you can do it kind of uh, just because in a sense, you know, you want some privacy, or it can be connected to paranoia. You can be libidinally, and it can be both, right? It, both things can be, can happen at the same time. So in terms of just like, yes, I don't want people, like I, I live with big windows, you know, and kind of I don't necessarily want people to be looking in if I'm walking around naked in the apartment, right? <laughs> um, yeah, but fair is fair. The question is, to what extent when we do an activity like that, my thing is always to ask ourselves why, to ask ourselves, is there anything else happening? Um, what is it that we're afraid of the other seeing? And a reason for asking that is because often that's a part of yourself that you're afraid to see. And that's again, the, the, the interesting thing for me is that what's most disturbing for us is not what we don't know, but what we know, but we do want to know that we know. So it's disavowed knowledge. And as you know, which is the unconscious, is that like there's things we know and there's things we don't know, but there's also things that we know, but we don't want to know that we know. That for example, we don't love our partner or that we, uh, you know, um, some, some, something happened in our childhood or something, you know, whatever it is, there's things that we know, but we don't want to know that we know, or our partner's gonna leave us. And, and so sometimes, the only way that we can start to glimpse that dimension of ourselves is by looking at our symptoms. And if the symptom is, for example, obsessively trying to stop someone else from looking, then maybe that means something. And maybe it doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I think the, the, do you find with the being stuck or being private quite frequently, being in your home, solitude, one might say, uh, when you go back out, like, I noticed this when I had a friend in town. I went out and I was like, oh, I forgot to look like I was going out. Or I forgot to, it's like I, the equivalent of like walking out with my pajamas on basically. And I was like, oh, I should really care a little more about 
what other people might think but it's like my solitude uh has incubated me so much that i'm just it's almost like i feel i get to feel i feel alone when i'm even in public and i'm pr- and is that depression would you say that's depression or is that... <laughs> would you say that's just sad just sadness incarnate like is that what is that I don't know. There's a I, one of my favorite comedians and one of your favorite comedians is David Mitchell, and yes, uh, I I don't know if you ever watch uh, Would I Lie to You, all Have the you? time, all the time. He's very good. Well, there's one where he uh, he says that he reads one of the cards. He says that I always aim to dress in such a way that it is not remarkable, but not so unremarkable that that is worthy of being remarked upon. <laughs> yep. that's, that's brilliant. That's and exactly that was true. it. <laughs> that's it. So, yep. so I wonder whether, again, that is actually a way of trying to hide your enjoyment. Like if you go out in a certain way where people can read something about yourself, like if you're in your pajamas and, you know, I, that tells me something about your enjoyment, that actually what you want and what I want, I relate to you in this, is to dress, to be so unremarkable, but just unremarkable enough that it's not a remarkable thing um again for me that's hiding your enjoyment i think so much of so much of us is we don't want that dimension of ourselves to be seen yeah Um, uh i think about that when i'm in target where i'm like oh man i just need to look around and and grace has this in spades she'll have she's a little bit more of like going out is gives anxiety because of running you who, who are you gonna run into what are they gonna you're they're gonna see you know and it's like that's fine uh especially these days but yeah in general i go back and forth i go oh man i need to i forget that other people are around and i gotta remember that because i need to look i don't want to draw attention like you're saying mm-hmm. to myself i want to blend in and have my privacy my little like secret world yeah it's fun yeah and then there Sad. are people who who interestingly are able to talk about their enjoyment without shame at all, right? And that's really interesting and a bit more complicated. So kind of perverse and psychotic subjects are often able to talk about lots of things that they do without any seeming uh, inhibition. So neurotics are always inhibited to some extent. So they're always trying to hide their enjoyment. They're embarrassed about their enjoyment. They uh, want to hide it from themselves. They find it difficult to tell their oh, partner yeah. what they enjoy. And they also, Absolutely. Some, yeah, and they sometimes don't like to evoke the enjoyment of the other. They, they like it and simultaneously don't. So they might dress in a way that evokes desire, but also dislike the desire that's evoked. And all of these complicated things. Um, Whereas you talk to someone who's psychotic structure and they can say the most crazy stuff <laughs> without seemingly any inhibition whatsoever. Um, but I do think inhibition is still there uh, within perverse and psychotic structures. It's just not in the content. It's in the form. It's, it's, somewhere, it's somewhere else. And, um, Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Where? Where is it located? So well, go for, in their house? Yeah, well, for psychotics, I think it's located in the real uh, in their delusions and in their paranoias. And so it, it, they don't feel it subjectively, but it appears in reality with kind of paranoic okay. structures and whatever. And, you know, perverse subjects can sometimes, there's massively strong inhibitions. They can talk about all these sexual things they do, but um, there's an inhibition about sex itself. 
So, mm-hmm. you know, you go to, you know, someone uh, like a, a dominatrix where you, you, the one thing you don't do is have sex with them. So yeah. there's, a, there's a weird inhibition. It seems like you're free to do everything and anything and it's, it's, there's no inhibitions whatsoever, but there's one that's hiding in plain sight. <laughs> so, yeah. Did you see the recent article about how Gen Z wants fewer sex scenes in movies? No, but that makes a lot of sense. I've heard Tracks, things yeah, like that. Like a okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's always like something they're having less sex or they want to see less sex. That's interesting. Um, yeah. Any comment yeah. on that? No, that that, that like we I think we did this a few weeks ago. We talked yeah. about um, but this this move towards kind of yeah the the desexualization of sex um and yeah. and and it's a very difficult thing. It's how like we all like animals don't have this problem we don't even call it sex we call it mating they just mate i mean we have to sexualize sex in fact you know when sex is not sexualized that's when it's traumatic that's sexual assault really is is a sexual touch that isn't sexualized and there is a yeah there's lots of reasons why but there's a desexualization of sex for many people there's a uh there's a new show on Netflix right now, and I think it's a result of the writer's strike, but it's basically a two-hour live stream of uh, Cincinnati, the Cincinnati Zoo. And so it's all of these, like, otters and rhinos and um, gorillas and stuff, that, <clears throat> and orangutans, that they just show for hours at a time. And, um, and you just watch them. It's weirdly mesmerizing. But <laughs> the... Um, I am always like... They're, what if, you know, this is live. Like, what if these animals start, you know, what if they start getting down in front of, in front of the, or what, you know, is that going to be uncomfortable, especially if it's an ape or something that's, you know, um, anyway, it hasn't happened yet, but I'm hoping it might be one of the future (laughs) episodes. (laughs) Uh, But I was thinking, what I was originally thinking about was Game of Thrones and like the discomfort I felt the entire time of watching, like I felt comforted when I read yesterday or today that um the new game of thrones show won't be back on the air till like 2025 i was like whew, good i was like that show takes a lot out of me because it shows all this sex and all this violence but it's still a good show and then i was like that's just like a prude like i'm a little prudy prudish and i want my like pg rated pg 13 rated thing <laughs> that's not going to make me uncomfortable yeah yeah i wonder about that that's um what is it? I mean, because because if if you find something sexual, you'll want more of it. So there's something about. Is it something about that Hollywood is is creating unsexual sex scenes? I mean, which I'm sure they are because, you know, they obviously they're not trying to create porn. Yeah. So like a pornographic scene is designed to kind of like evoke your fantasy and give you pleasure but like they can't really do that with Game of Thrones too much. So you can have a sexual scene, but they can't. They can't do too yeah. much. Um, uh, I was um, do, doing, I, yeah, uh, that's for a separate time. That's a funny thing that I was about to say, though. Uh, <laughs> well, that'll go in the deleted scenes. Um, <laughs> privacy. Do you, uh, are you, uh, do you ever find yourself, are you surrounded by people who are, are worried about this stuff? Are you, I find that uh, it's sort of a given that people very much love their privacy everywhere I go. When I was yeah. in school, there would be like going to campus, the rooms would be all on campus and the sh- bathrooms would be shared. 
and um that like i remember one time i was there and it was like late at night and i had maybe taken a small bit of an edible and i then needed to go get water and i went in to get water and it was into the cafeteria and it was all of these people from my class and i was like oh man i should have just stayed in the privacy of my room and now i have to act chill and cool like an, and like i didn't just take an edible um so anyway anything <laughs> <Yeah>. there peep <laughs> yeah well yeah i think i mean at the core of the psychoanalytic notions especially the french tradition is anxiety is all about what does the other want the other the other's gaze they're looking at us am i acting in the right way am i saying the right thing am i being embarrassing you know so people come home from a party and go i can't believe i said x y or z and that haunts them for weeks oh, or months or even years I'm, what's the point of going to a party if i'm not going to be <laughs> regretting something about it yeah well that seems that's a very common thing and of course you have said things that you should be mortified about and uh, i've been there yeah, and just in this hour Yes, people talk about it still, some of the things you've done from years ago. Yeah. <laughs> I know. <It's> repulsive. <laughs> repulsive, yeah. But it this is in front um, of everybody. Yeah. This this is why for me the cure to to the to the paranoia of privacy is not to try to be more private, but weirdly to understand that you don't have to be embarrassed. That you know, in other words, privacy is like what if the other sees me? What if the other sees how I enjoy and there's a certain kind of fear, anxiety that's produced from this. But if you realize that the other is just as desirous and makes just as many mistakes uh, as you, you, it doesn't mean you're not embarrassed. It doesn't mean that you do want to keep things to yourself. Like everyone goes to the toilet. You don't exactly want that videoed unless that's, you're into that shit, right? Um, but, but it's not traumatic. It's embarrassing, but it's not traumatic. So... Yeah. For me, whenever people have that anxiety about, oh, shit, I, I acted wrongly at that party. I did the wrong thing. I did this or that or the other. And, and they then want more privacy, <clears throat> more, more to hide themselves, and also more privacy in terms of they're worried if people are listening, if these algorithms are learning what they enjoy, all of that. When instead of going back, instead of retreating, it's almost like going into it and going, no, like the other, the, all those other people at the party are just as kind of like anxious as you are and they're just as divided as you are. And again, it, that I think is what cures you of paranoia. That's what cures you of the, the, the pathological need for privacy. You might still want to have a private life, but it won't haunt you. Nice. The, uh, <clears throat> you know, what infuriates me more and more is the... Uh, password requirements that certain websites will use and it'll be like mm -hmm. you need this lowercase this upper case special character you know needs to be 10 characters long and then the one that really gets me dude is when you put it in you're like you've already used this password before you oh, can't yeah. use this password again and yeah. that makes me blow a fuse because i'm like mm -hmm. i don't care dude like i don't care <laughs> if you i i will use the pa password password i will do one two three four <laughs> I am not a secure person, yeah. uh, and it's like the internet has taught me to be a more private, secure person, because if it was up to me, I would be getting hacked left and right. Like, I was thinking about that MGM thing. Do you remember that story that what happened? What was that? 
the MGM um, casino had like a huge cyber attack, and so and the they shut down the whole casino, every MGM casino, which was all of these casinos, and people were getting like their credit card information was getting hacked, and then they couldn't get into their hotel rooms because their hotel rooms were all electronic. And I was like, man, I'm glad I'm not in Vegas right now. But at the same time, that sounds kind of funny. Like, it's kind of crazy. Like, and also, you know, what do you, what can you really do? But anyway, they, I think it, um, it costs MGM, like, I think they said something like a bajillion dollars or something. It was <laughs> yeah. a lot of, uh, of money. And it was a huge attack that lasted for days. Whoa. So could you have pretended that you'd been attacked? Like, if I'd lost $1,000, could I have gone, hey, Chase, that was not me. That I was at the MGM, but like, nope, I was in bed at seven o'clock. Yeah, <laughs> it, you know, it hasn't worked in the past, but maybe this time, yeah, it would have worked probably. Because uh, I yeah. have, I do like to go to the cashier and go. You're not going to believe this, but <laughs> I actually lost some money just now on this thing called Red Snake. <laughs> but, um, hey, that's any, our uh, retirement other... plan. Yeah, I know, dude. It really is, man. It is. It's still when it works, it's like it works every oh. time. But uh, anyway. Have you been to Vegas recently back. at all, by the way? Just because uh, that's something I miss. Not living in LA, not living close to you. I miss and not going to Vegas with you. I miss, I know. you know. Dude, yeah. if you were out here, we would be going because I was just telling Grace, like, we got to go back to Vegas. I want to see the big dumb ball. Like, I want to oh, see the, yeah. the sphere. And, you too. Uh, you too are playing. That's. Yeah. Th- th- uh, yeah. That's Actum Baby, Zuropa. That was my favorite concert ever is that zurupa concert which is what they're oh, doing really? basically yeah the videos look amazing but I, when i hear bono he doesn't sound very good yeah i think i, I think i've like even a... heard him talk about it i think is like he's you know he's older now i don't think he can sing as yeah. well that's yeah. a bummer um yeah. i'd still go to though it looks incredible and oh, just yeah. the there's something so gratuitous and stupid about that big dumb sphere that uh god it's just so per- it's like a perfect addition to vegas because it's it's got to be the dumbest thing they've done in a really long time. <laughs> uh, so anyway, that's my take on it. But uh, back to privacy. Any other thoughts yeah. on privacy, Pete? Because I don't want to take up too much of your time or your alone time for that matter. Oh, yes, that's right. No, I mean, my main, my main thing was wanting to talk about that Kantian distinction. And, and yeah. because I guess and my takeaway on that is that there's something about whenever your beliefs are sustained by a private selfish interest there's always some sort of problem and as far as we can we should always try to take positions philosophically religiously culturally scientifically that are as disconnected from private interest as possible when you do that you really don't have anything to fear you know no journalist can can dig up anything because it's there and and if you do have a self-interest you declare it right so there's some people who are critical of capitalism but only because it's not working for them right so you can be critical of capitalism or you cannot be but if you're if your defense of it or your criticism of it is purely because of your position within it then that's not good and you know your 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 defense or your criticism of it should be based on objective you know on on the universal so for me, politicians should be in particularly scared of their privacy being uh, uh, stripped away, of journalists discovering their private interests. And I think the way to defend yourself against that attack yourself is to take positions that are universalist. 
and that's so that's my main thought for this podcast universalist unitarian <laughs> unitarian universalist um, <laughs> yeah i don't i don't know exactly is universalist dif- different than the utilitarian you're not a you you like you're against is that related or are you talking about something different Oh yeah, no, I'm yeah, I'm not a utilitarian, and to be a universalist in this philosophical sense means to uh, to try to have a position that is non-pathological, a position that is based on reason, logic, uh, evidence, and not on your private self-interest. So yeah, no, so I it's could, the opposite I of utilitarian. I could not disagree. I could not disagree more. <laughs> uh, I hate, I know we're wrapping up here, but that is the the idea of basing one's opinion in reality what did you call it reality or like actual ground like yeah outside yeah truth? <laughs> logic no. No. yeah reason oh, yeah evidence God. i know <laughs> man this one really fell off at the end that yeah sucked, yep. um i'm glad i got to chat with you but this is never gonna go up uh, yeah that's a, a great point I, I i like that very much and i also mm-hmm. think that you can what you can like capitalism because it simply because it works for you too right i mean that's also well yeah that's it i mean there's a lot of people because yeah oh yeah exactly because like well, i'm critical obviously of it but, but like there's people who you know they they like it because it works and people who don't like it because it doesn't i think you can not like it for <laughs> for very very reasonable for- philosophical reasons logical reasons yeah yeah um i know um some people who will slap like a bernie bumper sticker on their car and then wait outside of a car wash and steal someone's car wash from them yeah yeah there you go that that there's something there's something that sums up what we're trying to say there in that yeah in also i uh there's something there yeah (laughs) um now i'm just gonna keep an eye out for that car when i'm driving around but anyway yeah um that's yeah any final thoughts on you for you yeah, what's your yeah, takeaway? I just think you're totally right. I think that, well, I think that in terms of the um, enjoyment being private, um, yeah, if you don't, I don't like people seeing uh, what I enjoy. And that's not going to mm-hmm. change. And I'm okay with that. And, but if they do, I guess fine. Whatever, yep. you know. Whenever you're able to share that. Back to purple. Yeah, whenever you're able to share your enjoyment with yourself and with others that's actually really pleasurable that's a really good thing so actually you know the more that we are able to be honest with ourselves and with with a very small number of people about you know our enjoyment and our desire there's real emancipation there so this this fear of being seen and this fear of our enjoyment being seen if that becomes overwhelming it'll be destructive to us but at the same time if we want to if we paint it on the world and we tell everybody everything there's there's a problem with that as well so it's disgusting uh yeah. <laughs> good stuff pete thank you so much folks thank All you right. for uh listening please click like and uh you can subscribe to the podcast on most different platforms i guess and uh please feel free to leave us a review if you like it and if you didn't you can still lie and we won't know and you can say nice things but thank you pete and thank you to everybody bye see you later <laughs>